Welcome back, listeners, to a special edition of The Marist Minute, a Giving Tuesday episode featuring our guest today, Father Leon Olzamowski, Corporate President of Notre Dame Preparatory School and Marist Academy, and animator for the cause of Father Colan in the North, East, and West regions of the United States. As always, I'm your host, Daniel Lai. Thank you, Father Fion, for taking some time out of your day to talk with us about Father Colan, and specifically his thoughts around education, and this idea that, yes, students and teachers should have a strong focus on academics, but at the same time, it should not preclude a sense of joy or cheerfulness in one's life. Indeed, according to published accounts, Father Colan even remarked to his colleague, Father Fournier, allow yourself to be possessed by joy and dance a little. So can you talk a little bit about that? What exactly did he mean, uh, dance a little? Okay, I think uh, we need to take the piece that you have, uh, dance a little, into its historical context and give you the full quote. So he said one day to Father Fournier, allow yourself to be possessed by joy. Joy is a benefit when it comes from God and when it is kept within its proper limits. Dance a little. Cheerfulness brings a little relief to nature. Very often there are little vapors rising in our soul, and cheerfulness gives us an outlet and dispels our little moods. So I think what we want to remember is that Father Colan was in the process and in his own mind of founding a religious congregation, um, and he knew what people were like. He knew what he was like as a person. He was a bit of an introvert himself. Um, and what he really wanted to say in this kind of quote was that we are people, and uh, we need to find some kind of balance in our life between the various aspects that we have. Ergo, he made his philosophy for the school to be Christian people, upright citizens and academic scholars, to take in most of what we are about. He's a, followed in the tradition, really, of Aristotle and St. Thomas, that people uh, need to be balanced and have something of, of good and, yeah, well, yeah, you know, good stuff in their lives besides the academic part of education. I think it's important also to know that the anthropology was very high for him, that human beings are basically good and created in the likeness of God. But at the same time, uh, we are somewhat tainted beings. And so we are prone to complain. We are prone to say that things aren't uh, really good. And so he believes that in your life you have to have a little bit of joy and make some joy for yourself. And in fact, you need to become movers and shakers to release some of those uh those, uh, what he called dispel those little moods or that kind of vapor that's rising from your soul. So I think uh, we have to put this within this, in the context of what it is to be a complete human being who has a variety of experiences and they're not all sullen experiences but joyful experiences as well. So you would say that he was kind of an early adopter of the work hard, play hard approach to education? Uh not to discredit academics, but Philo Colan says it's natural for students to stir and move. Where do you suppose that comes from? As, you know, motivator for the cause, I'm sure you've studied his life. Was he a particularly rowdy student in his day? You know, how did he apply that philosophy? And then thinking about our school, how do we apply his philosophy here at Notre Dame? Yeah, let's say that he was not a particularly rowdy student in his own day. Now, Father Colan was, as I said, a bit of an introvert. And he ran into some real trouble in his early life. 
Um, he was a kid that um, had both of his parents died during the time of the uh, French Revolution, and um, and he was given over to um, the care of his uh, foster parents, and they really were foster parents. They were relatives of him, but they were very, very strict, and they made him adhere to all the different kind of rules that they had in their own household. And so there was not really much time to be a joyful person for him. I think he only developed the sense of joy really when he came to um, understand what he wanted to do with his life, which was to be a religious priest. He had an idea of what he wanted to have for the Society of Mary, and that gave him an internal kind of joy. So he wouldn't be laughing about it, but it was a good feeling that he had inside of himself about it. I think it was when he came into education, actually, that he began to see what kind of kid he wanted to be when he was a youngster, but didn't have the opportunity to do that. And so he knew that in his own life that that he needed to be more joyful around other people and he needed to help other people to be joyful in their work as educators too. And so he took a look at what it was like to be a kid. And in that context, uh, he, he, he said that uh, kids are like, that's what they're about. They're movers and shakers. They're very kinesthetically oriented, if I can use that kind of word. Right. They're people that kind of... Uh, live their life and work out their problems by shaking and moving and by doing games and those kinds of things. And so he realized that's what was the basic substance of being a kid and then uh, try to bring more and more in that into the educational cycle. So uh, we apply that philosophy here at Notre Dame, which is your second question that you kind of came up with, was um, is by the way the school was built from the very beginning. It was built to be a balanced school. It was built to have a bunch of athletic opportunities. It was built to have drama. It was built to have music. It was built to have chorus. Along with that, a very um, strong academic program. So that fits in line kind of, again, what his philosophy of human beings is about and how they need to grow. So in our school, we certainly have developed all of those things. And we have uh, fun days, too, you know, in the school. So kids will have Irish Week, as an example, or they'll have uh, decorating their doors at Christmas time in a competition and all those kinds of things. So that philosophy of uh, working hard and playing hard were both of the things that he saw were important, not just for kids, but for adults as well, because adults in his mind can become pretty stodgy. And when we get to talk about the teachers more and how they operate, we'll uh, we'll go into that a little more depth. Well, great. So that kind of leads us into our next part of this discussion. You know, when Philo Colan, he used to say, God has great plans for you. And he had a unique way of bringing that plan to fruition among those who came into his life. Uh, can you talk a little bit about his plan for each individual and how that plan applies to the teachers in a marriage school? Yeah, I think it's important maybe to just start to see that he is uh, in a line of people that uh, even down to our current day understand that uh, that you have to be concerned about uh, the student in and of themselves and the fact that they are individual persons, okay? I think that sometimes when we get into the business of education, we don't understand that it's really the community that's most important and the part that people play within the structure of the community. So his plan for individuals was very much like what um, Solanus Casey said. So it's in a kind of a religious tradition, a way of thinking. And Solanus Casey said, God has great plans for you. Don't let your plans spoil it. Mm. 
So the balance in the, in the life is the same thing that Father Colan was saying. You may have plans to be rich and famous and wonderful and all the rest of these kinds of things which are allurements away from his basic thing, which is to make children of God, make them ready to move into the kingdom. So we have to understand that in Catholic education, in Marist education, behind all of this is that the school is an incubator of faith. When Father Colan first came into the business of education, he didn't want to get into the business of education, and he told the bishop he didn't want to, that he wanted to be a missionary and a, a parish priest and all this. Well, he found out that he could be a missionary inside of a school Wow! because you were bringing kids to the faith. So he's got a twofold thing that's going on. He's learning how to be a good educator and at the same time, he's trying to build religious people. Mm. Ergo, you have his basic philosophy and the weighting of it. Christian people first, upright citizen, gentlemanly people, if you want, second. And then thirdly, academic scholars. So academic scholars is very much the third thing. It's the easy thing to do to prepare programs and plans. What's more difficult is to build human beings. And even more difficult is to build them into followers of Jesus Christ and his basic philosophy. So his basic thought was, look, both the teacher and the student understand kind of what they are to become. Okay. Mm -hmm. But what the teacher is supposed to be about is guiding a student away from the pitfalls in the process using their own age and their own experiences you know, life is a big experience teacher, and sometimes you get hit in the face with it. Well, he wanted them to be guides right. of how these kids should do it. But he knew ultimately that they were going to work out their own salvation, and that meant work out their own process of becoming a fully functioning human being. And so that had to take an individual plan. So in his philosophy, there were two things that were really important. Number one, that you understood the signs of the times and what was needed at the times, both in the world and for the hereafter. And secondly, after that, what was important is that you realize that every good idea eventually has to find a body to live in, to be, to be, to be, be effective as an idea, right? Right. And so it's just like, Jesus became flesh in the womb of the Blessed Virgin Mary. So there's this great idea of the Savior of the world, and it becomes enfleshed in her and then born into the world through her. Well, that's the same kind of philosophy he would have here, that each one of us is to become givers of Christ to our world, but there's going to be a process. You can have good idea to make the world a better place in which to live, but unless it finds people to be able to push those ideas, they just don't happen. You're right. So in, in the, in the education process, uh, the kids are, are kind of like the mission, if you want, to help them to be able to do that. But we know that ultimately they're going to make their own lives and, and create their own occasion for salvation. Right. Okay. okay. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. No, I think that, that yeah, mm-hmm. that's very well articulated. Mm-hmm. Okay. <laughs> uh, what do you, what are we doing here at Notre Dame to build a community of educators? Um, you, you've had the opportunity to play a key role in building the community. Where do you see that community going? And how is, how can we as teachers and staff, families and lay people strengthen it here at the school? Well, your, your questions are a mouthful, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Because they're about human life and how it really happens. Uh, a funny thing is how adversity builds communities. So if you started in the early church, you know, it was the fact that these people were 
up for martyrdom, basically. And so they had to come together as a community, and a community is a way of sharing and protecting each other from whatever the environment that is outside of them, which can be hostile on many occasions. You know, there's an old philosopher by the name of Jean-Paul Sartre, who was an existential philosopher that said that uh, love is having a common enemy. (laughs) All right. Well, in some senses, that's true, but that's only a beginning point. And that's not really a good way of analyzing what love is about. Love, as St. Thomas Aquinas defines it, is willing the good of the other person for the sake of the other person which means that automatically we are not islands unto ourselves, but our purpose is to be men and women for others. Right. Okay? So as you tend to look at that, and it, it's as I said, it's kind of funny that we're living in the coronavirus now, and I think we have a stronger community yeah. than we've ever had. It's like... Um, it's like what Sartre was saying, love is having a common enemy. Well, guess what? We're all trying to fight against the coronavirus, although not everybody is on board with it. Right. As you take a look at the world, we have vaccination as a route to get out of it, but not everybody gets vaccinated. So not everybody agrees nor follows the same kind of path. So you have to have certain people that are going to be leaders within the structure of the community. So what I have found out in dealing with this um this whole business of building a community, community for Father Colin was basically about the educators. They were the deliverers of the mission. Okay, the kids were the recipients of that, and the kids would grow into the mission by being socialized within the mission to build Christian people, upright citizens, academic scholars. But it takes teachers who are on that same route. You see, Father Colan really believed, and I believe that too. By the way, that's why I've been here for twenty-eight years. This is where. God and Mary have put me to work out my salvation. Mm. So my process of becoming a fuller human being and becoming more like Christ and so forth happens within this particular context. Right. Okay. Yeah. So it's the same thing for the kids. So we believe in, in uh, Catholic Christianity. There are no accidents in divine providence that somehow we end up being here because it's part of the eternal plan on how we're going to get there. And even though it may have deviations in the road, it's going to make us a better people. And I actually think in many ways the coronavirus has made the world a better place by people caring more for each other, especially frontline workers, as an example. And we're frontline workers as teachers, by the way. But it's also given us an opportunity to share more with each other. Mm-hmm. So sharing the goods that we have and so forth and so on. So adversity tends to bring the best out of people. And I think that's just a fact of life. For all the things at 74 years of age, all the things that I thought of were negative in my life were actually building blocks to make me a better person, a stronger person, a more giving person in my own particular life, and hopefully a more prayerful person, too. Right. So the mission is a twofold mission. Our mission is not just for living in this world. Ours is also for living in the hereafter. And in order to be able to do that, you have to do the first one well to get into the second one. And it's the job of the teacher to do that. Now, in, in with as far as community educators are concerned, they aren't always on the same key. Father Colan didn't find that in his first assignment either. But little by little, if the people weren't mission-oriented, which is something, a good line that comes all the time from uh, Greg Simon here, yeah. the families, we want mission-oriented families in the school as an example. It means that we're going to work together to make this incubator 
for good life in this world and good life in the next world actually happen. Those that don't do that, we don't accept as students as an example. If it doesn't work out in a trial inside the school with teachers, then they can't be here either because they're not in line with what the mission is all about. It, it's an old saying that says it takes a village to build a child or to make a child and help them to grow up, and I think that's true. So teachers need to learn, basically, that the student is more important than they are. Wow. So every teacher has the idea that uh, they have a curriculum they want to give, they have ideas they want to share and all that. All that's good as long as it doesn't end to a sense of selfishness. It gives enough room and vitality for the student to be able to grow and develop and not to push too much down people's throats, but to let them learn at the speed at which they can learn and they will learn. So the job of the teacher is a little bit like what you heard from from Plato, like uh, it's educare. It means to pull out of somebody what is already there as a seed. And you pull that seed out by directing them, by modeling for them and so forth. So that's what we're really supposed to be about as a community here. So strengthening the community and our families, uh, the teachers, the staff, and all that that you mentioned here, um, they are, this is a long process. It doesn't happen overnight. Mm. It, it takes, it takes a lot of work and hard effort to build a community of teachers. But they have to be mission-centered to start with. If it's not mission-centered, then it doesn't happen. And that's what Father Colan dealt with a little bit. But by the time he finished with his time in Belay, his first school where he was at, things were pretty clicking along pretty well. And, and see, Father Colan, you have to understand, had something in his mind. What was in his mind was he was actually using, un, almost unwillingly or unwittingly, he was using the context of education to build a society of Mary. Mm. So he brought the nation idea with him. He saw the operations and how that happened in real human beings. And so he needed, like he was going to make the society of Mary, a very tight-knit band of people who were on the same track, the same thinking, doing the same kind of praying and so forth and so on. So that's the community. So that... The world in itself is quite hostile to many ideas of Christianity. And just like the early church, we're going back to creating a better community, like like Archbishop is doing here in the in our diocese. He wants to unleash the gospel. The ungospel is like in the world today is like in a inside of a big box and people are sitting on it, but don't let it get out of here, you know, right, yeah. because it's going to change the world. Well, that's what we're about. We're about changing the world. We're about changing the world to the kingdom of God. So kids have to live in this world too. I just said the other day to them when we had um, uh, when we had mass on All Saints Day that uh, you know from the Psalms, seventy is the sum of our years, or eighty if we're strong. We've got to live out those seventy or eighty years here and do that well. But we have near no lasting city. We're determined for another form of life, and we have to get rid of, get ready for that too. And that's what Father Colan was all about. Wow, I, you know, I came to this this podcast with a total expectation, and you really like it's, it's a pleasure talking to you because you learn so much about the school, about some of Father Colan, and about some of the stuff that's kind of shaped your leadership here. Uh, so I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with us uh, today. 
Okay. Um, as you may know, we're embracing this idea to dance a little, not only among the students and staff, but in everything we do at the school. And in fact, we're adopting the phrase for the Notre Dame Fund and for Giving Tuesday, which this year is on November 30th. It really is an idea we want to emulate here. And so I want to ask you, as we close out today's podcast, do you have any final thoughts you would like to share with us? Sure, I can share with it. I love the theme to dance a little because we have much to dance about here in our school. Mm-hmm. The kids have much to dance about. The teachers have much to dance about. The staff members, the parental community has much to dance about. If we were at this school at the very beginning, you would have seen quite a different entity, and it's taken 28 years to bring it to this point, and it still has more growth. This is not a perfect school. It's a very good school, and sometimes good is the enemy of great, as was said <laughs> by Jim Collins, But and it's true, so we can become complacent. But uh, it's like the motto of my alma mater, Boston College, was ever to excel. It means ever to move forward and to become better in what it was that you're about. So we try to become better human beings. We try to be better people working with each other. We try to be uh, people who are, have enough smarts to be able to survive in this world and get a good job. Those are all important factors that we look at here. So we have much to be joyful about. Look, our school has been in session and operating very well within the midst of this coronavirus. Thanks to Andy and, and his whole crew, that, that whole process has been happening. And I think... The ability to give our kids and our teachers the regularity that they were used to about life and how it works has really helped a lot. Those few weeks that we're out using the distance learning, it's traumatic for kids and for teachers and for parents, for that matter, right? Right. So the fact that the kids are back in school is, is one of the reasons I'm sure that we have much to rejoice about. But we've also rejoiced in the fact that we have people in this school that are willing to share themselves. I would dare say we have a new teacher in the middle school. His name will go unmentioned, but he's from Australia. Everybody will know that (laughs) immediately. He loves to dance in in his classroom. And I can hear it from next door in my office. And I say, yeah, go for it. Go for it. What he's doing is he's getting the kids enthusiastic and involved in it. You don't want them to love the teacher for the teacher's sake necessarily. You want them to love what the teacher is giving them for the sake of their own growth, especially as they move forward in their lives and ultimately into the kingdom of God. So what we are trying to do here is to have a little joy and a little dancing ourselves. And I dance all the time, basically, about <laughs> about the way it is. You, and dancing is also part of being movers and shakers. Yeah. Right. You know, some of the greatest people that have been involved in, in dance – in plays and in so forth and in the world of dance have been people who were people thought were hyperactive. Right. Yeah. Well, they're not so hyperactive. It actually is one of the ways of learning. Oh. You can dance and even back to Indian tribes and those, they danced in order to get an idea going in their mind yes. of what they wanted yeah. to be about. You see, so that's an important thing. So we are trying to make the best of what we have in this school. People share what they have with others. So giving to people outside the school. Nothing makes you feel more joyous. If you're on the right track, nothing makes you feel more joyous than to give away something that you have excessive for other people. I think it was Pope Leo XIII that said, if you're a good Christian person and you have two coats in your closet, you keep one for yourself to wear in the winter and you give the other one away to somebody as poor who has no coat. Okay? So that's exactly what we're trying to do here. So... In this school, people may have been a little surprised, but 
I've given a substantial amount of money to this school myself in the annual fund, and I'm going to be making another contribution, and I will give on Giving Tuesday, and I'm going to give to the great give and so <laughs> forth and so on. It's because I, I just have more than enough for what I need for myself. Mm-hmm. I can give it to people that don't have, and that, I think, is what Jesus was all about. So I believe in the mission, and that's what I get, why I give. And I, I would ask other people to do basically the same kind of thing. Mm. The mission here is to raise Christian people, upright citizens, and academic scholars. What more do you want for a school for the here and the hereafter? That's so right. that kind of summarizes what I'd like to say about uh, this, this whole business of dancing a little. We have much to dance about, and we may have much joy, and we need to learn to share that joy with others. Well, thank you. Thank you for, for coming today.